Welcome, good moms. If you ever doubt that you're a good mom, you are in the right place. I am Jody Schilling, mom of four and a former educator. And on this podcast, we talk about all the hard topics. We talk about the pressures and the demands that are placed on moms, and more importantly, how to get past all of that so you can do you. Let's define good mom on your terms. Hi moms, welcome to the podcast. If you're new to the podcast, I thought that I would just give you a quick little update. I'm coming up on the first year of the podcast and it started out as a podcast for families in crisis, for moms particularly, but with families in crisis. And I made a switch around month five and I shifted more to just focusing on moms I really wanted to give them more information on just taking care of themselves and focusing on how to be aligned with who they were and be able to stand up and claim for themselves what they really wanted for their family. But as I'm going into season two, I'm really interested in your feedback. If you are a listener now and if you have some suggestions I am all ears because I really want the podcast to be something that a mom who has a family struggling with mental health issues or a child who learns differently, I just want this to be one of those places that they feel that they can get not only support and feel understood, but they can have something that helps and they can take it away after listening, apply it, and really make a difference for their family and for themselves. So Today, with that in mind, I am offering a special little resource that I have created. And I think that when I had kids really struggling the most with their behaviors, what I was often trying to find was a way to avoid a meltdown. I really had some extreme behaviors we were dealing with for a while there. And It seemed like when we went to Costco in particular, (laughs) there was going to be a very good chance of a meltdown. And so I was always trying to be proactive and preventative. And, And then when I had kids older, sometimes teenagers would also have their own version of a meltdown, which didn't always look like a tantrum and throwing a fit in a store, but not that far off from there, (laughs) right? And And I think the other thing to keep in mind is that sometimes as moms, we have our own mom meltdowns too, and they have a little different feel to them. But what I want to share with you today is just a way to avoid meltdowns for anybody who's on the verge of just falling apart emotionally, because that's really what happens in a meltdown. And when you think about the term meltdown, even, I think it's actually a really accurate descriptor for what's going on in the brain when somebody has a meltdown and we could just use a younger child to as an example but what's really really happening there is that there are some demands that are being made on the child to behave in a certain way in in that environment and i always like to think of that whenever i see a child having a meltdown it's because the demands of the environment whether they are social or academic or even emotional demands are too high for the child to meet. 
right? So they don't have that capacity in that moment to meet the demands that are being expected of them. And when that happens and there's a mismatch, then there's this short little window of time where we can help the child feel safe and we can divert the meltdown. We can avoid the meltdown. We can dodge a bullet, so to speak. But it's a very short window of time. And for kids who have mood disorders or ADHD or other types of brain differences, that is even a shorter window for some. And it also is just a disposition that some some people have a very, very short window there before that trigger can be activated <laughs> for a number of reasons, right? Could be lack of sleep, could be hunger, could be mood regulation, could be hormonal. Many, many factors can go into that. But when that's there, what we can do in that little window of time is we can say something or do something that prevents the meltdown so that trigger doesn't get activated. And one thing that really helps is, especially for kids that are a little bit older, when they feel validated, if they feel like they matter and they're and somebody's noticing that they're they're in discomfort, the validation is a really helpful way to divert a meltdown. And validating an emotion often looks like just noticing that they're uncomfortable and really being able to get at their level. So sometimes this just involves, especially with adults and and kids who are younger, and also meltdowns often occur on the floor, which again is such a good descriptor of a meltdown, right? Kids get down on the floor. It's like they want to melt into the floor because they just can't sustain their even holding their body up in that moment. It's such a good clue for us to see that they're struggling. So when that happens, when we can look at them and have the kind of body posture that shows that we care for them so that our palms are open and and they're facing up. And because some of these things especially for kids who may have past trauma of any kind, that gesture feels non-threatening. So that's the best chance we have of not triggering. And then the other part is speaking in a quiet voice and using words and phrases that convey concern and caring and empathy. So phrases that help with that are ones like, I can tell you're upset. Or it seems like you're really, really having big feelings right now, right? So those are some ways to do that for younger kids. And then for for teenagers or older kids or even adults, those same words can also be used like, wow, I can tell how important this is to you. Or I know that I would be upset in that same situation. And again, this is really validating. And that is what really can help in those hot moments, in those very little short windows. The other thing I want to share real fast about this is that there's another aspect of of diverting a meltdown that is not talked about as much. When we're the person who's not having the meltdown, but we're trying to help the other person divert from it, it's really important that we're aware of what we are thinking and what we are feeling. Because 
one of the ways that we inadvertently cause a meltdown is by some of the subtle things that we are doing, the way we are looking, the way we are, some of the nonverbal ways that we're communicating. And so if we are stressed and the thought is going through our head that we don't want them to have a meltdown, a lot of times the thought isn't about how they're struggling. The thought is how we're struggling. (laughs) The thought is how we're afraid of being embarrassed, right? Or there's a thought that we are, you know, we're a bad mom, we can't control our kids, this shouldn't be happening right now. If we were more patient or more supportive or we have our list, whatever it is in our head of what we haven't done correctly. And if those are the thoughts that are coming up at the time where our child is about to have a meltdown, then When those thoughts are in our head, we are going to show up with a different type of energy. And that can be in itself, it can be a trigger. Because as we know, our kids seem to have this super amazing sense. (laughs) There's a sensitivity, right? That they pick up all of these vibes and they have this, this emotional sensitivity at a really high level. And so they do pick up those those vibes that we send off. And if we are stressed and we are thinking, please don't have a meltdown because I'm going to be embarrassed right now, then there's a greater chance there's going to be a meltdown. (laughs) So how do we practice new thoughts so that we don't go into these situations and then try to call up different thoughts in the moment is very challenging. It's much better to have them ready to go (laughs) and they can be part of the way you're already thinking. And so the way to do that is to actually make a list at a different time when you're totally calm that are thoughts that you can really believe about your child and about meltdowns and about behaviors. And some of the thoughts that I really like to use and that really helped me were thoughts like, Meltdowns are really a mismatch of the environment and my child's capacity. And, you know, just writing that out and really thinking about that, that scientifically, that's really what's happening right then, right? And then other thoughts that could be specific to your child's diagnosis might be something like, this is normal for someone with ADHD who didn't have their meds. You know, this is to be expected when... You have somebody with bipolar disorder who's triggered emotionally and feels perceived rejection. These are factual things about the diagnosis and about the situation that are, they're just stating the facts. And when you can have those facts programmed in your own brain, then when you come across a meltdown, you're not going to default to the emotional response. You're not going to go to the place of, worrying about being embarrassed about it or starting to think that it shouldn't happen. Because honestly, meltdowns really should happen for kids who have this kind of dysregulation. It's really their brain trying to regulate for them. That's really what's happening too. And so when we think that it shouldn't be happening, that's just society's rules for us. Society is saying behavior should always be regulated. And that's just a societal expectation and norm that is for people who don't understand how the brain works for kids who have brains that are designed differently. It doesn't have to be a bad thing that somebody even has a meltdown. 
honestly, it could be the premise is we want to avoid it because we see how uncomfortable it makes the child who's going through it and us and the people around them as well. But we also can have compassion that a meltdown is a symptom of a diagnosis that someone is really struggling to regulate their emotions, right? And we can have compassion for the whole situation. I think we've all been there. If you have been in the situation where your own child is having a meltdown and there's a person who's judging you with, you know, those <laughs> those looks of like shooting daggers with their eyes to you. And then the opposite being when you find a mom who is compassionate. I mean, I've had a child completely lose it in a public space and have another mom literally come up and put her hand on my shoulder or my hand and say, I've been there and it's going to be okay, or you're a good mom or, you know, something like that. And we can do that for other moms ourselves too, because we've been there. Sometimes it's just a look that we can give them, right? Just looking at them, showing compassion by looking in a caring way. So I just hope that this episode is something that is really useful for you and you can take it and apply it. But if you have questions and you would like some more of those phrases, you can go to my website and there is a how to divert a meltdown free PDF download there and you can sign up for my email list and then you will have those phrases, but then you'll also be able to get more resources like this because I send emails periodically helping support families and kids who have either mental health struggles or neurodiversity or even other types of struggles that their families really having some instability. My website is goodmomcoach.com and I will see you next week. If you like this podcast, please rate and review so we can spread the word to other moms who are going through the same thing. You can also find me over on Instagram. You'll find links to my website there, information about my coaching program, and free resources. Thank you again for joining me. Have a great week, and please rate and review.